Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey gang, how was your weekend? I mean, I sweated all weekend. It was uh, felt like a hundred plus degrees for much of the weekend. It was pretty terrible. My my air conditioning wasn't working, but at least I got to watch PK Subban shoot a puck at a dude's nuts and jackass forever. <laughs> it's so good. Did you see that in theaters? I didn't see it in theaters, and that's kind of a, a shock because I see a lot of things in theaters. But I just saw it on I think like Paramount Plus or some shit over the weekend and we hadn't watched it i think we were waiting for a proper night to just like use it as a decompress tool because that's what you watch jackass for is to decompress and just laugh at idiocy i mean it's 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 fantastic and i think i remember hearing that pk suban was in it at some point but i had totally forgotten that he was in it so i turned it on and they were doing that nutshot challenge where (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> One guy was just taking, like, he took a, a shot from a UFC fighter, he took a shot from, I, I forget some of the other ones, but I remember when he threw on the hockey gear and then P.K. Subban appeared, I'm like, oh shit, that's no good. <laughs> that was, I don't know how, they, I really don't know how they don't have, like, lasting, lifelong damage to their bodies. Like, I'm sure they do some way, somehow, but, like, the shit they do to each other's nuts, in particular... Is because like I feel like a lot of their challenges are very groin centered. It's a lot of it's groin centric for sure. It's very much, especially in uh, Jackass Forever. Like there's just (laughs) there's a ton of weird shit. And um, dude, I I just don't know how you can take a shot that many times from professional athletes, including a PK Subban slap shot, and not have some sort of lasting damage to you forever. It's insane. They are made of steal <laughs> I also i just remembered one of the other ones one of the other ones was the was the softball pitcher straight to the ground yeah. which softballs are huge and heavy that sounds like torture right there and I, like suban in particular like i know he's got a heavy shot but i mean i know suban from watching him for years against the flyers has a big old shot right there i i don't know if i've seen him in one of the competitions but i'm sure he can yeah. hit 90 plus and that just sounds unpleasant imagine like Shea weber in his prime or zidane ochara in his prime 
taking Al one of those McGinnis. shots. Al McGinnis. Al McGinnis back in the like, day. That guy. Yeah, Pronger had, too. Like Pronger, yeah. Any of those bigger defensemen, that would be absolutely horrifying. Like, and it, I remember the softball. Um, he took one, I think, like right, like on the inside of the upper thigh. Yep. And it that looked just as painful. Well, I don't want to say just as painful, but like almost as painful as like taking it straight to the groin. That looked <laughs> awful. He had a horrible bruise from that. Just an atrocious yeah. bruise. <laughs> and then what? What was the other thing they did? A uh, the pogo stick. Oh God! Onto the groin. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no! They're maniacs, man. They're they're out of their minds. They but are. You know but what? I love watching them. I love watching them, and I do want to say, I'm like so proud of Stevo because he used to be so heavily on drugs, and he was so fucked up for so long, and like he's totally sober now. He doesn't even drink alcohol now, which makes it even more insane that he does these things. He's sober when he's doing them. Um, but like he I don't know. I'm just so proud of that man for getting out of like the bad like substance abuse that he was in. And like now he's like a legit legitimately good dude um, based off of everything I've seen in his interviews. And uh, he's just got a good attitude. I don't know. I fucking love Steve-O. Oh, he looks the best he ever has. It's really yeah. wild how good he looks at this point. And no, I'm I'm happy for the guy. I mean, seeing anybody go through substance abuse, especially, uh, you know, all the stuff he was on is just terrible. And to see him recover from that and not only recover from that, but thriving, doing the best he's ever yeah. done is it's aspirational. It's fantastic. I love to see it. And I, I just wanted to just go back to uh, talking about the big slappers right there. And, you know, we talked about the big guys, right? My favorite thing about Al McGinnis is that he wasn't a big guy. He was only six one, and he had maybe the best slap shot I've ever seen. And I, I just don't, yeah. I still don't understand to this day how that guy generated so much power, but regardless of whoever, any NHL level guy, having a slapper going against me. No, thank you, sir. Let alone specifically yeah. aiming for my testicles. <laughs> I want no part of it. I think we talked about that before about like, you know, size and slap shot power. Like Shane Gossespierre also had a fucking huge shot and he was not a big dude. Like he's not big at all. So yeah, some, there's some people like that who are just like freaks of nature who can just send a puck into a different solar system. Oh, yeah, it's wild to me, and I don't really understand how it works, but I also don't understand basic physics. I don't understand much of anything, so. <laughs> That's true. That's a fair point right there. <laughs> what what yeah. is there to understand? I don't even know. How, Aside how from hockey work. and rules about hockey, I really don't know a single, single important thing in the world. I know a lot of dumb shit. I could tell you like uh, 25 X-Men off the top of my head, but I can't tell you, you know, yeah. anything about physics or science or anything like that. I'm just real yeah. dumb, but that's why I host a podcast and <laughs> instead of, I don't know, doing anything important in this world. But <laughs> I, I don't listen. I don't think you're dumb, Steve. Thank you. For I what appreciate it's worth. Thank you. <laughs> sometimes you need I don't to hear that because sometimes going through life, you, you just sit there and you go, am I dumb? Because everybody assumes they're at least above average intelligence, you know, even really, really dumb people think that. And sometimes it's just nice to hear, no, you're not actually one of those people. You're not a complete moron. You're just, you know, sometimes a moron. That's it's yeah. reassuring. Yeah. Yeah. I took an IQ test online once and 
obviously it's not accurate because it's an online IQ test, but I took it anyway for fun. And apparently my IQ is like 150. <laughs> so I know something's wrong with that IQ test because that cannot be right. I have literally no idea if that's good or not. <laughs> All right. So I think 150, they say, is like like really, really, really smart. And then, and then 160, 170 was like Einstein or something like that. Really? I'm pretty is that sure what it is? I'm okay. not that close to Einstein. <laughs> I'm not that smart at all. I would be, if I break 100, I would be flattered. That would be amazing <laughs> if I could even break 100. 140, that seems a little, or 150 seems inaccurate to me. What, what's the level where you can tie your shoes? I just like to be above that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you that. I feel like, I don't know. Maybe that's 100. I can't remember how the scale works. Okay. I'll have to check that out. I've always thought about taking an IQ test because I, I am curious to see just how dumb I am. But it's, yeah. uh, it is a good question right there. Now, I, I mentioned that most of the weekend was spent indoors just hiding from the sun despite having a broken air conditioning unit on my main floor and i managed still i managed it wasn't too bad i i closed most of my blinds up i had a couple fans and you know at least i have a bedroom air conditioner to give me solace but before all that before those hundred degree temperatures there was actually a really nice thursday i went to the phillies game and Unfortunately, at the last minute, my dad had to drop out. I was supposed to go with my dad, but then he just wasn't feeling well. He couldn't make it. It sucks. And he told me about an hour before game time, so I didn't really have time to go and find somebody to replace him, especially because it was a daytime weekday game, so most people were at work. So I ended up just going to the game by myself, and I don't think I've ever done that before with a sporting event. I mean, I, I, I spent one period at a Flyers game by myself one time, and that was kind of amusing before I met yeah. up with some friends. But, I mean, for the most part, sporting events, I have always gone to with people. Like, I've gone to movies by myself, and I actually really enjoy that sometimes. But um, sports, I don't think I've ever done solo before. What did it feel like? It was a little strange. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it was nice because I, I got myself uh, pretty good tickets. I was in the 300 level at Citizens Bank Park right behind home plate. So uh, yeah. elevated view behind home plate. It, it's one of my favorite views. And I was in a section where most of the seats to my right were empty. Uh, most of the seats to my left had some like teenagers or something in it, but they weren't too bad. And then the back of me was actually like concrete. So I didn't have anybody sitting in back of me. So I kind of just got to chill and enjoy the day. Uh, but you know, it, it's the strangest thing is when somebody does something and you have your natural instinct to like yell at somebody for sucking or something like that. I think at one point I called Odubel Herrera a piece of crap or something. I was like, run to first <laughs> base, a piece of crap. Cause I hate him. But you know, it, it feels weird saying anything because you're by yourself. So you, kind yeah. of look like a psychopath when yeah i feel like because when you're with a group of people or even just one other person you can yell something and it's just like oh they're yelling something to be funny for that person like clearly they know the player's not going to hear them and then like if you're by yourself i feel like people think that you think that the player can hear you and you are <laughs> impacting the game in your own head and it's just like yeah but you know what sometimes you have to let out some visceral rage when you're at a game even if you're by yourself and so I support it. It's just weird for me to be 
totally quiet at a sporting event. Like I can be yeah. mostly quiet, but I still have to say something in the general direction. Like that's just part of the experience for me is going like, all right, let's go Reese. Come on, get a hit. Oh, that's a strikeout. God damn it. And that, that was a particularly rough Phillies game offensively because they got shut out two to nothing. So just if it wasn't a nice day, I might've regretted going, but it was a, a almost a perfect baseball game, baseball day. I was going to ask you which game you went to, because I know that there was that one really wild game the other day where I believe it was Alec Bohm, like won the game for the Phillies. And it was like an error or something by the Dodgers. Oh, the one yesterday with the dot. Yeah. I didn't go to that one, but that was crazy because real Muto yeah. almost ruined the game for the Phillies by going off of third. He got deked off of third base and, tagged out and it was just i i I hated that but then the second baseman i think it was muncie for the dodgers had a just atrocious error and the phillies scored two runs to to win the game and salvage a series against the dodgers which was uh looking pretty rough they they believe it was a very close to a sweep it's it's almost as if they need their reigning nl mvp in the lineup to produce any offense at all which is pretty terrible because they signed all those big beefy bats, all those big beefy boys, the, the little buff boys, and they can't do anything. So, all right. So I do want to bring this up. So yesterday we were talking in the Slack chat. I can't remember who it was. I think you were involved. Someone mentioned how Philly's Twitter is slowly turning into Flyers Twitter. That was me. And okay. So it was you. And I'll be honest with you. Like I've kind of gotten Flyers Twitter vibes from Philly's Twitter since the very start of the season. And the reason I say that is because, so I'm kind of like new to baseball. I've never been a huge baseball guy, but now with NBC Sports Philly, like I've been paying obviously a lot more attention to the Phillies and, you know, on game days, I'll tweet out, Hey, watch the game on NBC Sports Philadelphia. And then so many people will respond to saying, why we're going to get fucking smoked anyway. And I'm just like, wow, that's a very flyers thing to say. And so like just the general lack of positivity right now in the Phillies fan base is very flyer esque. Oh yeah. And so Phillies Twitter, I am intimately familiar with because I I've been on Twitter because of the Phillies since I think yeah. uh, 09 is when I joined Twitter. I was, I'm from way back and I joined when the Phillies were in their World Series. Day. I might have even joined in 08 when the Phillies won the World Series. And right. it was it used to be one of the fun like I had so much fun because I, I also lived by myself for a bit. So like when I was living by myself and I had Phillies Twitter, it felt like I was watching the game with people and I watched almost every game back then because the Phillies were so goddamn good and so likable. Chase Utley, Ryan Howard, Jimmy Rollins, yeah. Cole Hamels, Carlos Ruiz, Chooch, like so many great names on those teams that I adore. And I like the Phillies are I, the Flyers are my number, you know, they're my ride or die. I, I I'm ride or die with all the Philly teams, you know. But the the Flyers are like my I, I just love hockey for some reason, and I, it's damned me to hell. Uh, but baseball is one that I, it was probably my first favorite sport. I've loved it since I was a little kid. My dad took me to baseball games all the time. I remember we had this like Sunday ticket package back in like 92, 91, something like that. And we were just at the vet constantly. And it was just some of my best memories back in the day. So anyway, I have a long history of baseball. And Philly's Twitter used to be a lot of fun. Uh, I remember, yeah. you know, the, the fightings was a, such a great blog and everything. And we just had a blast. And then 
The Phillies haven't made the playoffs since that Ryan Howard Achilles tear and Roy Halladay just it, it just forgot how to pitch all of a sudden and just sucked. It just everything went to shit very quickly and it's been a decade since the Phillies have made the playoffs and that is wearing people down. It is completely worn people down because this team's been so close. They've spent so much money and they're still a 500 middling team. And yeah, I, I think Phillies Twitter is exactly where Flyers Twitter is, where they've watched a middling team for a decade and it's, it's just crushed the soul out of people, the sports loving soul. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it's, I feel like I've seen the same thing kind of with flyers Twitter too. Cause I remember when I got on, when I really got into hockey, which was like 2012, 2013, I joined Twitter and it was mainly for like the flyers and the Eagles and everything. And flyers Twitter was like so much fun back then, even though like they were past their really fun days of like, you know, the, the flyers penguin series and like the Stanley cup and everything. Um, they were past that, but it was still fun because they would still like do stuff. And I don't know, I, like it just, it was a whole different thing back then. Cause at least there was some semblance of positivity and now it's just, everyone is miserable and it just sucked. Like, I, I feel like, Phillies Twitter and Flyers Twitter right now are both at really, really just ugly lows, and it, it sucks to watch. It does. They are 100% at ugly lows, and I, I think the Phillies Twitter is almost where Flyers Twitter is. Flyers Twitter is, it, it feels like rock bottom right now, and yeah. it's sad when people can't even come to one conclusive agreement on whether to be excited or not about exciting things. Like, for instance... Yeah. Right now, Barry Trotz is out there interviewing for various teams, and we have said for years Barry Trotz is one of the best coaches in the NHL, if not the best coach in the NHL. So it should be exciting that there is a possibility that the Flyers could hire him as their head coach, and I believe he is interviewing this week. Is that correct, Ryan? He is interviewing this week, according to Sportsnet. I know there was some confusion over if he was interviewing, when he was interviewing, but it is uh, this week. And I'm excited for it because I think Barry Trotz is great. And he's interviewed with the Jets. I think Vegas is obviously in the running. Uh, Dallas, I believe, just fired their head coach. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Bonus is gone. Yeah. So there are some openings right now. Barry Trotz can really pick where he wants to go, I believe, because he's just he's just so good. I think it was Bill Matz who put, like, I think... <laughs> He said something along the lines of like Trotz is just going up to those teams and just saying like, how much are you going to give me? That's pretty <laughs> yeah, much the interview. There's not really much to interview for, right? Yeah. But I don't think anybody can even come to a consensus if we're excited about the possibility of a coach of the caliber of Barry Trotz coming here at this point. I've seen some people, I think this was on the younger end, say like, oh, not a retread. And, you know, God. other people just like, well, I don't know if the team is, uh, they're going to waste them and that's going to be another expensive coach through here, blah, blah, blah. Like people can't even be excited about a legitimately exciting thing. The people who say he's just another retread clearly don't understand how good he is of a coach. Like, I know that they're like, I don't know. I know that there are some coaches around that get swapped and, and it's just the, like, those are retreads. Barry Trotz is one of the very best hockey coaches that has ever lived. So I wouldn't quite call him a retread. I would say getting him is a slam dunk um, opportunity. Um, but like, I don't know. I, I, and I do see those people. Like some people say, oh, well, he's, he's too good for the Flyers right now. Like the Flyers need to focus on, on tanking and being bad. 
But the problem is, is that's not what the Flyers brass wants. The Flyers want to contend right now, which as insane as that is, that's their goal. And if that's their goal, then it would make sense for them to get someone like Trotz who can turn piss into champagne. <laughs> nice. Nicely done. That's a, a much <laughs> a much cruder uh, water into wine right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what i was thinking of but i couldn't yeah i, couldn't I know i like piss into wine. champagne i think that goes with the flyers attitude right there they it, piss into champagne <laughs> yeah, it i think is the motto of the spectrum room <laughs> yeah pay me for my ideas flyers anyway so barry trotz i mean i i'm excited about the possibility of him he is yeah. out there he's a possibility he's the guy who can turn your franchise around and really just maximize the talent you have on the roster, at least defensively. Uh, there's been, you know, obviously offensively, he's had some difficulties, but hey, that's why you overcompensate, right? That's why you go out and you sign all the best guys you can possibly get. You go out and you sign Johnny Gaudreau if he's out there. Ooh. Yeah. And it's this, you know what? Like a lot of people have also been talking about, like, you know, if you get trots, you also get Coach Corn. Coming undone, Coach Corn would be a phenomenal, like, little, I guess, I don't want to say mentor, but just someone to kind of have in the room with Carter Hart. Because, like, I know Carter Hart, like, bounced back this year, but his stats still looked not great, which, like, isn't his fault at all. But, like, I don't know. I think someone, a goalie coach as good as Corn would be, uh, you know, good to have with Hart at this particular point in his career. And then with, like, you know, Trotz's defensive expertise that would make for, I don't know, a pretty effective hockey team. Maybe not the most fun hockey team, but it would make the Flyers watchable at least. For a second, I had no idea what you had said with Coach Corn, and then it took me a second to realize that you said, come and undone. And I went, oh, okay, it all makes sense to me. You know, come and undone. Oh, my God. It's even spelled with a K, too. My God, that is twisted. <laughs> that's a good one very good oh that man some snap coach corn would be an instant fly hit right here i that just <laughs> all the shit puns that would come out of that oh i want it so bad so get get me trots and get me johnny hockey which i i know is still a long shot but is certainly something that i think we should all want he's a fantastic hockey player he's coming off one of actually his best season in the NHL right now. And the the main reason I bring this up today is because John Butchagross was asked on Twitter by a Flyers fan who said, Flyers, what's next? Or I, I it might just be a hockey fan. I don't know. I didn't really do any yeah, research yeah. on the guy who asked it. But Butchagross said, I say they will sign Johnny Gaudreau and hire a big name coach and hope they are a lot healthier. Fans deserve it. NHL is better when Flyers are competitive. 47 years since last cup. And he's absolutely right. The NHL is a better place when the Flyers are competitive. And I know that sounds like a selfish thing from a Flyers fan, but this is a historic franchise. This is a franchise that people love to hate. The Broad Street Bullies were the Broad Street Bullies yeah. for a reason. And me declaring like Embiid and the Sixers, like new bullies, which sadly fizzled out just terribly in the playoffs. Get rid of Doc Rivers. What? But... <laughs> ultimately like the nhl is much better it's it just everybody does better when the nhl has the flyers being competitive i mean the penguins flyers rivalry the rangers flyers rivalry the devils flyers rivalry there's so many rivals the islanders and the flyers 
all these rivals. Give me all the rivalries. Give me the Flyers back in the upper echelon. It's just more fun. It's a marquee. And we are great maniacs when we have to be. You know, when this team isn't yeah. losing and they don't give us light-up bracelets to throw at the players, it's a much better place. <laughs> Johnny Gaudreau would instantly not only be a, a fantastic just hockey addition, right? But also such a great story, bringing him home. And I know we joke about that all the time, but to have a guy who played his little peewee hockey, his little just like mites on ice hockey in a Flyers jersey to come back. And just like that John Tavares story, right? With the the maple leaf sheets and all that shit. It would be a great story to just bring him back. And I just, I'm going to rattle off some stats and then I'm going to let you just talk about Johnny Gaudreau for a bit. But Gaudreau, so far in the playoffs, 13 points in 10 games played. That's two goals and 11 assists, 115 points and 82 games played in the regular season this year. Just a, a tremendous stat line from him, 40 goals and 75 assists, uh, career high by 16 points for him and his career so far, he has 609 points in 602 games played. So over a point per game player, Johnny hockey, man, is just an awesome talent. And to see him in the orange and black would be a true treat. I don't want to get ahead of myself here. I don't want to make myself excited for nothing because if you expect the worst and get nothing, then that's kind of a good way to live life sometimes, unfortunately. But I just even talking about the possibility is, is pretty thrilling. It's pretty, 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 pretty good. Gotta say. Although I will say this. I can tell you right now, if the Flyers get Johnny Goudreau, a massive portion of the fan base will hate Johnny Goudreau so much. Like, if, like, possibly even more than they hate Giroux for no fucking reason. Because he's not a big physical presence and he's not, like, you know, he's not their definition of tough. And that's what freaks me out a lot about the possibility of them getting Goudreau. I would love Goudreau. He would be so much, he would make the team so much fun to watch. But I I just know it, I know that the team shouldn't make moves based on like the fans' perception of players because the fans don't know shit. But like, I don't know. It, it I, I can hear the hot takes coming already if the Flyers get Goudreau from all these idiot people who don't know what they're talking about. These idiot people will put out hot takes on anything. It's yeah. wild to me. Some of the takes that I've been seeing in the playoffs alone. We'll get to this later. I, I would like to talk about the, the Giroux kind of just bullshit later on because it's just these takes that people are giving about that. But yeah, you're right. The hot take artist will be out in full force. This is part of the reason I didn't want Patrick Line on the team because Line, right, yeah. great talent, scores goals, definitely scores goals, but that's pretty much all he does. And the, fran the, the fan base would eat him alive. It would be terrible. I... <sighs> Yeah, I, I agree with your disclaimer that this fan base would probably hate him, and I hate that that's the case. But, you know, at the end of the day, I want guys who can friggin' play hockey. Seeing Claude Giroux that's, depart yeah. from this team was so deflating yeah. to watching this actual team. And this team was tough to watch when he was there. But without Claude Giroux, this team really just turned into a sack of crap. It was dismal without him because like, at least when you had Giroux around, you knew that there was someone who was just a world-class hockey player, one of the best in the world. I know people at this point say he's, you know, they discredit everything he's done, but like he's, uh, what is it? Since like 2010, he only like three players have more points than him. Yeah. 
and that's been like one of the Kane, best players Ovechkin in the league. And Crosby. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I, I mean, clearly he's one of the best in the last decade. And like, um, I still think he's one of the best in the world right now. And it's, it sucks so much to know that at least you had him, that one dude. And now that he's gone, it's just like, wow, what do you watch now? Like, Owen fucking Tippett. And I hate saying that because, like, I want Owen Tippett to succeed. I'm excited for him next year. He showed some good flashes. Leave Owen um, alone. His, yeah, <laughs> leave Owen alone. Um, he had some good flashes in the in his, you know, short, brief stint with the Flyers after the trade. But, like, dude, I mean, no one is replicating Claude Giroux. No, no one. No. And it's just so hard to watch this team without him because we've become so used to watching – unbelievable hockey from Claude Giroux for all these years. And now it's just a bunch of just unspectacular dudes on this roster. And it really sucks. It's just a lot of solid, but unspectacular guys. And uh, frankly, if Chuck Fletcher wants to do this retool, he's clearly, if he does want to make a run at Gaudreau, he's going to have to clear up some space. He's really going to have to do some maneuvering. And I, I don't envy his position here, but I say if they are going to go for it with the retool, I really want them to go for it. Like in the way that they did last year, like obviously it was a huge failure last year, like a burning, burning, just pit of despair from last year, but they tried. And on paper, a lot of those moves were good. It just did not, it couldn't have worked out worse. It literally could not have worked out worse. And I would love to just see a massive, massive roster rework. And I I don't know what the hell they're going to have to do, but I I do know this much. The possibility of Johnny Gaudreau signing here is exciting. And I I think people should be... It it sucks that people can't even agree that, like, a guy like that would be exciting to have on the Flyers. Yeah, no, I mean, it would be great. And I feel like... Um, like I, you talked about last offseason, like the Ryan Ellis trade. I still love that trade. We I make I it mean, every time giving up nothing to get him. It, like I would do it 10 times out of 10 if I could. That's a good trade. And I feel like this year, like th- this is it for Fletcher. Like Chuck needs to realize like my ass is on the line here and I have got to do something, anything to turn this team around. And I feel like he's going to be swinging for the fences this offseason because he knows if he doesn't, he's going to be canned. Yeah, you would think he would be canned. I sure hope he would be if he if he fails yet again. And it's this is it. It's this is it. In he could be gone by Christmas if yeah things don't work out. Yeah, and I remember on the flagship show they were talking about like yeah that first round pick the Flyers got for Giroux. There's no way they're keeping that pick. I wholeheartedly believe they're trading that pick. Absolutely, I, I really know. think they will. I actually don't know. I, I I wouldn't be I, th- I what I want is I want Chuck Fletcher to only trade that if he can get appropriate value for that. Like I, I really think trading right. a number five pick, even though the talent isn't quite there's no game breakers really in the top ten this year really, and I, I know that sucks, but don't trade. Please for the love of God, don't give it up for another Risto or something as terrible. Like I, I like what I've heard about some of these guys, like Nemich in particular sounds fantastic, but I, I don't know. Well, I, I should clarify. I mean the 2024 pick, not this year's pick. Oh, uh, the I, 2024 I, first round pick that they got for Giroux. I, I feel see, like that I is see. definitely going to get traded. Oh, okay. Well then, Hmm. 
I'm, I'm, in theory, I'm not opposed to that. Yeah, because the only the reason I feel like this and and Kelly brought up a good point. Like it was like a month ago. It was like right after the trade. Um, like Fletcher knows that he needs to he needs to make some big moves this season, and he knows that if it doesn't work out, he's going to be gone by 2024 anyway. So it won't matter if that pick isn't there because he's going to be somewhere else or just flat out unemployed. So that's kind of why I feel like he's going to swing for the fences this year and try and make some sort of big trade and use that 2024 pick to get something now, because if he doesn't, he has no future here anyway. So it's just, you know, it's a desperation move almost. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Just don't package it to get rid of uh, JVR's contract or anything like that. Yeah. Or bring in like another fucking Risto. Oh my God. There is only one Risto, unfortunately, and he's here for five years. What if they trade it for like Oliver Ekman Larson? No, don't will this. Into <laughs> Do not manifest this evil. Yeah. Uh, so many bad I, things. If you want to, tra- if you want to tank for Bedard, I guess that's one way to do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what the. It's just the Flyers seem so without a plan right now, and it's just they say they have a plan with the whole aggressive retool thing, but it's just like, how are you going to do it? But what do you? What valuable assets do you have that you're going to retool with, and you don't have any cap space to do it with? So, like, what's what's going to happen here? I, I I don't know. I feel like their best bet is to trade picks, and they don't have a lot of picks either. So, I don't it's know. great. It's this awesome. is just it's a really not great time for them. So, who do you think has more of a plan, Chuck Fletcher or Ron Hextall? Because Ron Hextall <laughs> apparently was Believe straight not, up Chuck asked Fletcher right now if he had a plan. Ron Hextall apparently can't even verbalize a plan. Can't even verbalize a plan. I have a plan, and I, <laughs> so this is for Josh Yoey with the Athletic. Earlier this season, the Penguins' new ownership group told Hextall they wanted to see his vision for the team in writing. Hextall, a creature of habit and in the middle of regular season responsibilities, initially explained that his plan for the Penguins' future was in his head and not easily articulated by the written word. What? What, Ron? What? And I I love the ownership group's response to this. He was told to write his vision for the Penguins' future anyway. Hextall respected ownership's request and provided a written summary, painting a verbal picture of the Penguins' future on his watch. Only the ownership circle is privy to Hextall's words and his vision. If the Fenway group is satisfied with it, he presumably will remain. If not, an already fascinating summer in Pittsburgh could become more tumultuous. What if, like, when they asked him to draw to like write out his plan anyway, he still wasn't able to like verbalize it. So he just drew like a stick figure picture of like someone holding up the Stanley Cup. <laughs> I, I was just thinking of this uh, is my plan. Behold, I, I don't know how much Simpsons you know, Ryan, but there's a, a Simpsons episode where uh, Millhouse's parents, uh, Kirk and Luann, uh, they get they break up in this episode and it starts with them at a party and they're playing Pictionary and he's got this just big Kirk's got this big like squiggly circle and Luann can't guess what it is and she guesses like everything under the sun like a lake or something like that and he, he, the timer goes off and he goes it's dignity Luann it's dignity <laughs> I feel like this is Ron's presentation. It's just this big, cir- this big like c- circle going. Like uh, this is a plan. Like, can't you see it? It's obvious. You nincompoops. It's not quite obvious, Ron. Got to tell you, 
Not very obvious right now, especially after what he just kind of did with, you know, who, who was it? Who did they sign again? It was, uh, <laughs> so they signed Brian Rust. Brian Rust, who is a real hockey player. I've been told this numerous times that he is a real hockey player. Brian Rust seems like a fine hockey player, but he definitely seems like the prototypical great on the Pittsburgh Penguins would probably be a piece of shit anywhere else. But with Sidney yeah. Crosby and Malkin and all that cavalcade of bullshit, it does great. Uh, but they signed Russ to a six year, $30.75 million contract. That's 5.125 million AAV. And again, Rust is a pretty good player. He had 58 points in 60 games played this past season, 24 goals, 34 assists. He's 30 years old. So he just signed Brian Rust to a contract through his year 36 of life, which in hockey terms, you've signed him through age like 66, right? Because retirement for most people is like 64, 65. And most hockey players, especially average talent hockey players, really fall off a cliff around like after they're after they turn 30. So this really seems like a weird contract for, for Ron to sign here, especially with, and again, I, I realize they're both 35, but Malkin and Latang are sitting out there and he apparently offered them very similar contracts to this, which that's a big downgrade pay wise for those guys. That's insulting to like, even like throw that out there, you know, like I know they're older, and like more so this is for Malkin. Like Malkin is still, I know he has like injury problems, but when he's healthy, he's still absolutely one of the best in the world. There's and a like, team that's like going to throw him 10. money. There's a team that's a hundred percent going to throw him yeah. money this off season. Could you imagine if the flyers were that team? I have imagined this. He will never come here. Let me just say this. He's never going to be a flyer. Like if you have hopes of Malkin being a flyer, which like that would be weird because like fuck Malkin, but like <laughs> if he were a flyer, that would be so funny. It would be so funny because Penn's fans would have a conniption knowing that he, he's been tainted. His entire reputation as a penguin is tainted now that he's a flyer. It would be great. It would be Yager level funny because when yeah. Penguins fans lost their minds when Yager came here, which is really funny <laughs> because if you think about it, Yager had already at that point played for both the Rangers and the Capitals in the Eastern conference. So he'd already played for a couple of the rifles and, but the flyers are different, right? The flyers sit different with penguins fans. The Pittsburgh, the battle of Pennsylvania is very real and it really just rubs us both the wrong way. Like I still have nightmares about John LeClaire and he was terrible in a penguins uniform, but seeing him in a penguins uniform made me sick. And that was before the penguins flyers rivalry was as big as it is these days. And to see Malkin in a Flyers uniform, number one, it would be upsetting because he is hideous. This, this man is just he's not... He's a very ugly man. He's a very, very odd-looking human being. Yeah, Frankenstein's monster in a Flyers uniform is not exactly what we're <laughs> here to see. But regardless, it would be very funny. And it'd be kind of dope for the, like, 30 games he'd play. Yeah. No, like, I mean, let's not act like he's still not great at hockey. He's, like, fucking amazing. It's just It just sucks because it's him. And, like... You know, I don't want someone with a constantly filled diaper on the team, but I mean, you know, <laughs> I guess that's what it, if that's what it is, it's whatever. Well, he's also such a like secretly dirty player. People don't really think about him as one of the dirtiest players in the NHL, but how many cheap secret, shots has though? he taken? I think like, it's a secret like more he's... casual fans. I feel like hardcore fans like us, people who see this all the time, we yeah, realize yeah. it, but he flies under the radar for the casual fan as being a dirty player. 
he's always swinging his stick around trying to kill people and impale them. And it's just like, dude, what do you think? Like, I mean, TK wasn't, he wasn't just making a joke when he said that. And when he was mic'd up, he's just like, yo, that we- that sticks a weapon there, buddy. Holy. Like, yeah, it is. Especially when it's in Malkin's hands. He's trying to kill people. Maybe because he's as ugly as the Hound from Game of Thrones, maybe he thinks he is the Hound from Game of Thrones. <laughs> and he needs to make everyone else as ugly as the of the uh, Hound from Game of Thrones also. Yeah, absolutely. Just, uh, you know, I got this scar. So let's look at the, the games played he's had <laughs> in the past few years he only had 41 games played this past season 33 the season before and that was a a shorter season i believe uh 55 the season before that 68 so the last time he had close to a full season played was 2017 18 when he had 78 games played that said he did have 98 points in those 78 games pretty good pretty good pretty good Pretty, pretty, pretty good. But this past season, he was closer to a point per game pace. He had 42 and 41. And this is clearly, I mean, he's 35 years old. As I said, hockey players, once you reach 30, it's kind of uh, the clock starts ticking for your career. A lot of guys just fade away very quickly. I I mentioned Roy Halladay earlier. He's not a hockey player. He's a baseball player. And I thought Roy Halladay was going to pitch until he was like 50 years old. And he just fell off a cliff one season in his early 30s. It's wild to me to this day. Yeah, and it's it's the same thing kind of with Claude Giroux. I remember like a couple of years ago, I think it was not long after he turned 30, everyone was like, oh, Claude Giroux is like, you know, he's on the decline. I think he came off like a 58-point season or something like that. Like, not bad, but like um, certainly not what like up to the standards people are used to for him. And then the next season, he comes, he turns around and he has like a 102-point year. And it's just like, you, you really can't predict the aging process for some of these guys. Regardless, I think it'd be very funny to sign Malcolm, but I think it would be a a poor hockey move salary cap wise. Oh, I agree. Flyers should not be be allocating those resources, but I'm hoping that a team with, let me pull up cap friendly real quick to see who's got cap space out there to pull this kind of uh, a move off next season because coyotes, no, it's the problem is he's not going to want to play in front of like 3000 people and no logo <laughs> yeah. and not even a halfway filled college arena. They can't even put their own shit on the ice. I think they can put their logo on, but they also have to have the college logo on as well. Yeah. So it's going to be like half. It's going to be like the center, the center ice circle is going to be like one side's coyotes. The other side's Arizona state. How about the predators? That'd be fun. Ooh, that would be fun. This or, is, I, dude. I fucking love the off season because we can do shit like this. Seattle, Seattle, Seattle's be fun. not paying me. I'm into that. Uh, Ottawa would be pretty funny, but that's that's just a bad move. Uh, here's I don't a, want anyone going to Columbus. That I was gonna say Columbus would be one that would irritate Penguins fans though, because at least I know from from Pittsburgh, Steve, he does not care for Columbus, and it's probably because of the proximity to Pittsburgh. Yeah, I just. The, the Blue Jackets are legit one of my, like, they might be my least favorite team just because they're useless. And uh, I just, I just, I hate Columbus. Like, I, they're just an annoying, dumb team that's never going to win anything. And Ohio is a, a shitty state. And I have no desire ever to go there. I've never been there and I never will because it sucks. I know I won't get any, like, I'll have no fulfillment by, entering the state lines of Ohio 
And I just don't want them to have any good players. And as much as it, like, you know, we dunk on it, but like Malkin's a good player. I don't want him in Columbus. Okay. Go to like, <laughs> go to like, <laughs> go to a shitty team in a city that matters that actually exists or in a state that's real. A state that's real. That's, that's a good point right there. A state that's real is uh, certainly. I hate Ohio. Like, you, you really do. Do not care for Ohio. It's not for you. Here we no, go. No one from Ohio has ever done anything to me, even said anything to me. But it's just, it's a, I, just, I, don't I thought you were just going to leave it at no one from Ohio has ever done anything. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not they true. Have the bla- they have the band, the Black Keys. The creators of Superman are from Cleveland. Really? Yeah. That. Yeah. That's they have the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The Rock and Roll, that's it. <laughs> Drew Carey show. That's named it all. Yeah. Cleveland like, Rock. not a ton of. There's just not a ton of good stuff there. The Cloud Nothings, they're one of my favorite bands. They're from there. But like I, I have never understood why Columbus of all the cities in Ohio got the hockey team. Why wasn't it Cleveland? Why wasn't it Cincinnati? That's yeah, that's my thing. It's like, I don't know. It just doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Like cuz there it's not like they're, you know, you do have Cincinnati, you do have Cleveland. And could you imagine like a Cincinnati Pittsburgh Rivalry, that would be fun. It'd be great. Yeah, I'm into it. I'm into it. Or Cleveland, Pittsburgh, even. Like, all those other cities in Ohio are great natural yeah. rivals with Pittsburgh. I don't know. I, I just... Uh, if Malkin's going to go somewhere, I want him to go to, like, a big market city. And so then he can still be in the spotlight and we can still, like, make fun of his ugly face on national TV. <laughs> because the Blue, Blue Jacket thing showing up on national TV. Just not not a fan of the state of Ohio right there at all no yes oh man i yeah well I, I, what about buffalo <laughs> send him to buffalo that would be funny it would definitely be funny i think he's gonna chase a paycheck ultimately but i, I would love to see i don't want to see this for the division because i think this would be a nightmare for the division but i think it'd be very funny for the mental health of penguins fans if he signed in washington yeah that would be funny it, i think <sighs> could you could you imagine him going to like Chicago. Ugh. Like, I just hate it when any big name free agent goes to Chicago because it's just like Chicago was like the place for like a decade. And now it's just like, okay, we get it. Like, you know, they were good. Now they're trash. And it's just like, I, I don't know. Like Chicago's just not, doesn't do it for me. Well, in the vein I want of, spicy. in the vein of teams that have, that were very good in the past decade, L.A. is a very interesting one for me to watch this offseason because the Kings really were bigger up-and-comers this season than I thought they were going to be. I was surprised they made the playoffs. And then they gave yeah. the Oilers a big fit in the first round. So I, I think the Kings are going to be really interesting to watch this offseason. I like the Kings. I like what they have going on. I love Byfield. Um, I like Kempe. Like, they have some really good players there that are, they're kind of, like, flying under the radar. And, like, I don't know. If they... Who knows? Maybe Malkin coming in could be like, maybe he could be like that missing piece and kind of turn the Kings around. I don't know. Well, not around because they're already like doing okay. But like, yeah, that'd be an interesting, interesting uh, possibility. I just love how Mario Lemieux saw everything coming to an end and said, I'm out. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Yeah, he uh, he got out at the perfect time. Well, he knew. He knew it was all crashing down here. It's just like, I don't like that look of any of this. Uh, Crosby's getting old. Malkin's getting old. 
like I don't think either of those guys are going to pull a Tom Brady and play until the end of time to everybody's annoyance. Hopefully not. I, I don't I, I don't want to jinx it because if Crosby's still playing at 45, I'm just going to stop watching hockey. But yeah, because <laughs> he'll probably still be good. I hate his guts, but I respect him. But I, I just love how the movie's like, oh, this is uh, this is looking bad. But, uh, I'll see you. Bye bye. <laughs> yeah. Back into retirement. He goes back into retirement. I do want to I also am kind of curious where like Latang would go. Um, and I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. He's also my least favorite player in the NHL. So um, it's the we're era. talking about just my least favorite things today, I guess. Columbus, Ohio, the state of Ohio in general, and Chris Latang. These are a few of my least favorite things. I know a girl who goes to the dog park with me. We are, I was talking about hockey one day. She was just like, oh, you might know my cousin. And I was like, really? Who's your co- Does he play hockey? She's like, yeah, he's in the NHL. I'm like, no way. What team? And she's like, the Penguins. I was like, ew. What, what player? And then she was like, Chris Letang. And I wanted to just fucking. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to hide my emotion. I was just like, oh, wow. No way. Letang. Wow. And then I was oh, in wow. my head. I was just like, fuck your cousin, dude. <laughs> fuck your cousin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get your cousin the fuck out of here. Fuck your cousin. Oh my God. Fuck those kids. Fuck your cousin. Amazing. Yeah. (laughs) He can go wherever the hell he wants. Just stay the fuck away from, you know, me. I don't want him the same. I don't want him. God. If he were to go to like Washington, like geographically get closer to where I am, I would get so mad. Oh, I'd sign up for the Flyers immediately. I don't know if I want him on the Flyers. I would take him. I would take him. And, uh, he's old and i hate his face a lot i know but it's gonna piss penguins fans off and i actually think he's a more useful player for this team than than malkin would be yeah i mean okay with without my like bias aside he would make sense for the flyers i just don't see him ever coming here no no no. i don't see i don't see any of those i don't see anybody coming here for at least five years until shit gets cleaned up here. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know why anybody would want to come here. We're like desperately hoping Gaudreau just comes here for the story for the, the hometown boy coming home to, to clean up the mess. But like yeah. outside of that, there is absolutely no reason for that guy to step foot in Philadelphia to play hockey unless he's on the visiting team. But Latang, you know, I mean, he's played 78 games this past season, 55 the season before, 61, 65, 79. So a little bit more durable than than Malkin's been. And he is a good defenseman, a good puck mover. And if you imagine this fantasy world where Ryan Ellis can be on the second pairing defense. Oh, boy. Rasmus Ristolainen making five million a season is on On the the third third pairing. Imagine that. Jesus Christ. That's pretty, but it's, that's where Risto needs to play because he sucks. He's not good. He need, Like he belongs on the third pair. Like he needs to be, he has to have sheltered minutes and he's just like the most glorified third pair defenseman of all time, honestly. But guys don't like playing against him, Ryan. They don't like playing against him. <laughs> tough to play against. He's a, he's a tough physical specimen. He's in your head, he goes baby. crashing into the boards because he forgets how to skate. But he's a nice guy. The locker room loves him. He does seem like an awesome dude. Just like Andrew McDonald. (laughs) Dude, you know what I just realized? What's that? Ron Hextel gave Brian Rust 
even worse than the Andrew McDonald contract. But Brian Rust is at least pretty good. <laughs> yeah, but like he's like I can't yeah, believe I he went so. for six years term. I I can't believe he went for six years term for a thirty six year old. Years, yeah, that's wild. A thirty year old pretty good player who I'm convinced if you put him on any other team is nowhere close to the point per. Like if you sw- swapped him and Cam Atkinson. Cam Atkinson is probably putting up like 80 points next to Crosby. Oh, dude. (laughs) That would be wild. Actually, he he might put up 90 points next to Crosby. Cam Atkinson's going to clean up. But like, I think Rust is probably going to go back down to like closer to like 50 points in 80 games or something like, you know what I mean? So, all right. So let's look at this. So Hextall is, it, it seems to me that one of Malkin and Letang will definitely be gone this year. I can't imagine both of them coming back. I think Malkin's the one who's leaving. I could see Malkin leaving. I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that, that they both go. I would love that. That would be so much fun. I, I do think it's like one of them is going to stay if I had to bet. All right. So you got, let's pretend Latang stays. You got Latang, Crosby, Gensel, Rust. And like, who else? Uh... Don't they have uh Rodriguez? Evan Rodriguez? Uh, Evan Rodriguez. I don't understand how this guy's a good hockey player. I really don't. I don't know. either. He somehow is. And um Kasperi Kapanen's pretty good. Kapanen's all right, but like he's not someone that changes oh. the hockey team, you know. Ryan, he's not someone that the most important player on the Pittsburgh Penguins resides in Cranberry, Pennsylvania, and his name is Mark Friedman. <laughs> <laughs> How can I forget their top pair defenseman? How can you get forget Mark Friedman, the most important flyer of all time, the only guy who, who brought a pulse out in Nolan Patrick? You know what? He's the most versatile, possibly the most versatile player in all of hockey right now. He's a defenseman. He's a forward. He could probably play goalie if we wanted him to. And he certainly can play the heel. Oh, most definitely the heel. Most definitely the heel. I just You've seen I, him in the face, you've seen him in the heel. The you only do, thing you can do it all. The only thing that can bring me joy in my cold, dead orange and black heart right now is to see the Pittsburgh Penguins crumble to dust. Yeah. We're closer to that than I think people realize. Yes. But make the playoffs next year, guys. Okay. I don't want you sniffing Bedard. I w- if if they become bad next year and they win, because the, they would win the, win the lottery, even if they were like the 10th worst team in the NHL, you know they're winning the fucking lottery. Bettman, I'm telling you, Bettman has raked everything for this franchise for some reason. The Kansas City Penguins only do not exist because Bettman has raked this shit for them. Yes. I, I just, I don't even want to think about a world where they get Bedard. No, no. So just make the playoffs. Play. Ron, re-sign Letang, Okay. Latang will keep you good for two more years. Malkin, I think Malkin is going to chase a paycheck somewhere. And somewhere, I, I wish that, I wish that Ron Francis wasn't the GM in Seattle. Because I really want a lunatic in there to just say, look at this cap space. Let's spend it, baby. Like, I want someone like, like McPhee or McCrimmon from Vegas. I want like someone just nuts just making all the moves in Seattle because they can, they have like all this cap space. They have so many draft picks. It's ridiculous. 
Yes, and they could do so much damage with that. Sign Malkin. Sign somebody. Uh, sign Kessel, too. Why not? Just go yeah. nuts for a year. Do, do like a Florida Marlins in 97. Uh, I believe the, the <laughs> Marlins in 97, that's when they signed like Barry Bonds, Bobby Bonilla. I'll have to see if I don't think Barry Bonds was on that team. But Bobby Bonilla was on that team. I remember that. They I remember them trading for Darren Dalton because Darren Dalton won his World Series with them. And I, I remember being happy for Dalton but didn't give a shit about the Marlins at that point. But that team was just stacked. I'm going to look up that team, but do like a crazy mercenary team for a year. This seems like a great year for mercenaries. Get a bunch of guys on one year contracts, (laughs) right? And just, just go ham. What if they got both, both Evgeny Malkin and Christopher Letang, Christopher Letang, doc, get them both doc in Seattle. And then that's how you win a championship doc. I'll hang up and listen. I don't know why he's now calling into the show, but that's, that's, well, maybe that's what Pierre's doing at this point. Cause he doesn't have a job. You know what? I'll tell you what, Steve, if it doesn't work out with uh, Chuck Fletcher, we have a fallback in a oh my good God. old Pierre McGuire. Oh my God. Actually the funniest scenario is where Ron Hextall gets fired and Pierre takes over <laughs> <in> Pittsburgh. <laughs> that would be good. That'd be great. For the record, those 1997 Florida Marlins had Jeff Conine, Edgar Renteria, Bobby Bonilla, Moises Alou, Gary Sheffield is who I was confusing with uh, Barry Bonds there. Bonilla and Bonds played together back in the day. But and then uh, Al Leiter, I don't know, Levon Hernandez. They, they had some great players. I just remember them being a very mercenary team. So I'd love to see Seattle do that as an up-and-comer because that's basically what Florida did at the time. But yeah. you were saying something about our dear friend Pierre Maguire. Is that right? Pierre Maguire. What were you oh. saying? Sorry. What are you doing, Uh, Doc? Pierre Maguire, that would be very amazing if he goes to Pittsburgh. Because, like, all right. So you got Hextall. And, like, because I know Pierre Maguire, didn't he used to work for the Penguins as a scout? I don't know, actually. But I I believe it. And I certainly believe the guy was a scout. Doc, did you know that up in Manitoba, that's where Sidney Crosby first learned how to ski? <laughs> Manitoba. It's just it would be so funny for because I do think like the fact that the Penguins had to go up to Ron Hextall and say we want you to write down what your plan is. That's bad. Like and he has not been the GM there long. I really feel like like they could be close to making to pulling the plug on him because of the fact that they had to ask him to write down what plan he has because you would think they would have known that plan when they hired him. It's an absolute George Costanza situation where like, yeah, I can totally see George running the Yankees or something and Steinbrenner gone. Hey George, tell me what your plan is. And that was a terrible Steinbrenner. I apologize. But <laughs> yeah. George is going like Mr. Steinbrenner. I, I, I got a plan. Just uh, it's in my head and I can't verbalize it for you. <laughs> I just, I just what? I don't know. I, I, I feel like they, if they do move on from Hextall, which I think is possibly closer than many, than people think it could be, like, what if Pierre Maguire did? Because I, I'm looking at it right now. He joined the Penguins in 1990 as a special assignment coach. When Bowman, when, uh, yeah, when Bowman became interim head coach in 1991, Maguire was named an assistant coach. He won a Stanley Cup as an assistant coach of the Penguins in 92. Ryan, I have the funniest scenario for you. The funniest scenario here 
is that Ron Hextall gets fired. Brian Burke is installed as the GM and Pierre Maguire <laughs> replaces Brian Burke in the front office. Oh boy. A Pierre Maguire, Brian Burke front office is one of the most loud, boisterous disasters of a front office I can possibly imagine. And I great. want to see it so badly. Brian Burke makes me so uncomfortable. <laughs> what do you mean? His eight foot tall hair? <laughs> yes. His constantly his red face. I just, he's he just, such he, he constantly looks like a guy dude. who's just waking up from a whiskey bender. Like he's been asleep on the bar and that's how he wakes up. Like, oh, what time is it? He looks like the photo of John Schnatter all sweaty, <laughs> but with white hair slicked back. <laughs> oh, the pizza papa himself. Oh, man. Fucking John Schnatter. He looks like him, dude. Just with white hair, extremely white hair. You don't see hair this white. And it's slicked back. And it's just, it's just, he's such a god. What a weird man. But the problem with Brian Burke is like, I want to hate on him, but he also is like a good guy sometimes where he actually, he stands up for like LGBTQ rights and things like that because uh, because of his son, Brendan. Yeah, because his son, Brendan, is a huge advocate for it. And it's just, it's wild to me that like he can, he can be this great guy, but also just be this like terrible traditional old hockey man. That is very odd. Yeah. Yeah. Here he is. He's wearing a, huh. Yeah, he's got the he's got a jersey on. Yeah. Huh. I did not know that. That's pretty wild. I yeah. never would have guessed that. Brendan Burke is one of those guys who's done a, a ton for LGBTQ in hockey and it's just I, I love him for that. And it's it's wild to think because Brian Burke looks like the most stereotypical old hockey man you can think of. Yes. Just somebody who just looks like he's just thinking about like, I don't know, just the old school constantly. Oh, he's fancy young guy. So to think of him having a progressive view on something like that is, is pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But I, mean, hey, I don't know. He is. He is, but he's he looks, he definitely, out. yes, he freaks me out. He looks like somebody who's just constantly waking up from a bender. <laughs> Eight, eight, eight foot tall hair. <laughs> yeah, like Marge Simpson. Right there. His hair, that's such a great way of putting it because his hair is just huge. No, it's, like, it's just there's gigantic. no other way to say it. It's just huge hair. It's huge hair. It's a wall of ice. It's the wall from Game of Thrones. <laughs> Another Game of Thrones reference in this one. The amount of product he puts in his hair is wild. Jon Snow's just hanging out on the top of Brian Burke's hair. <laughs> Scowling. Oh. Let's take a quick break and talk about some playoffs. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. 
But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. I could probably talk about Brian Burke's hair for two more hours, Ryan. Oh, I could talk about it till the sun comes down. I mean, honestly. Honestly, honestly. And I, I really was going to continue that conversation, but at some point I got to get back to working and we got to talk about the playoffs, man. There's so much to talk about and we got to move yoffs, on. Baby, yoffs. yoffs, we're all about the yoffs. I'm not about the plops. I like the yoffs. Yeah, the yoffs are way better than the playoffs. Yeah, we'll just change it to the offs. The offs. Offs. Yes. Uh, speaking of shortening things, our, uh, our thurs, the pants, not doing so great. <laughs> no, the pants are not doing so great. And I, if anybody's curious why I refer to them as the paths on Twitter, because Tim Panaccio used to have the strangest abbreviations for all the teams, <laughs> and he used to call the Panthers the paths. <laughs> paths win game. That's so strange. What a strange man. I miss him dearly every day. I like day. calling them the thurs. The, the Florida Thurs. Thurs. There you go. The th- Florida Thurs. <laughs> Thurs Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, think, I, I hate that things aren't do- doing too well for Claude right now. It's, yeah. And it's not people like a bunch of the like really bitter Flyers fans that are mad that he left or just have hated Giroux for no reason forever. Like a lot of them are just like loving this and I hate that this is going their way. It's not, They're blaming him for all this. It's like, dude. The team has is averaging one goal a game. Yeah, I don't this think they stopped Giroux's scoring fault. because Claude Giroux, who's not wearing a C there, just appeared and still plays good two-way hockey. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't it stop just, scoring just because of one guy. It doesn't make any sense. If anything, it's just that they haven't adapted to Tampa Bay's system. And frankly, Tampa Bay's won two straight cups. They know what the fuck they're doing in the playoffs. And that was one of our concerns coming into this round is that their playoff experience and them knowing how to play in the playoffs would slow down the Panthers. And it's exactly what's happening. Yeah. No, it's been terrible. And like, I don't know, hopefully they can orchestrate some sort of comeback. Claude Giroux has been down three, nothing in the playoffs before and one that's spicy. And it's happened. Maybe I got up here for game four because that's what happened in that seven game comeback is I went to, to game four and expected nothing. And then they won the series. Pack your bags, Steve. All right. Get down to Fort, get down to Fort Lauderdale. We're going to Florida. I'm I'm wearing 16 KN 95s on my face because that is <laughs> yeah. the COVID state of uh, America, the COVID capital of America. But uh, yeah, I feel bad for Claude. And I, I love these people rubbing it in his face that Colorado is doing so. But by the way, Colorado is only up to one on the blues who nobody expected that. And yeah. I, I do agree. I think I always thought he should have gone to Colorado because I thought Colorado had an easier path to the cup. And I think he would yeah. have been such a great fit on that team. But at the same time, the Panthers won the President's Trophy. 
They're a very good hockey team, very fast hockey team. And it's kind of stunning to everybody just how much Tampa Bay has been just kind of, well, I want to say dominating in the series, but I also don't because like game two, for instance, was a one-to-one game that only ended before overtime because Florida had such a bad, bad defensive miscue. Yeah. Two guys. It was very Flyers-esque, actually. It really was. Like, I feel like I almost had some sort of PTSD moment watching that because it was just so, it was very, very Flyers. Yeah, two guys following the puck holder behind the net who passes it out front to a wide open guy who scores the goal. It just, like, I could see Risto and Sandheim doing that because they're not communicating properly. And then the guy walks out. And I'm sorry to pick on those guys, but I'm also not. I mean, spot the lie, though. (laughs) right right um but no like i I mean that was that was brutal like seeing that and i feel like that that they were just so deflated after that loss and i feel like it's just kind of carried over to game three and hopefully game four tonight win one game a back-to-back in the playoffs is so stupid i don't understand why they're playing tonight yeah i don't either that was very bizarre I, i i guess the arena was already booked for something i don't know that's the only thing i can think of but oh yeah that could yeah, make sense, yeah. I'm not a fan of back-to-backs yeah the um the tampa bay football or basketball team right that exists it doesn't oh yeah definitely exists absolutely yeah, definitely exists the I, I was trying to think of a good name for them but i can't think of anything tampa bay yeah i can't think of anything the tampa bay solar cups <laughs> the tampa bay covid havers um but yeah <laughs> covid crew no, I, I feel like the, the tampa yeah. bay covid crew <laughs> the COVID crew, but no. Hopefully tonight they can, you know, they can get one win. Just get one, and then see what happens after that. It's the whole cliche: one game at a time. Yada yada yada. Yeah, hopefully I just want to see a competitive game. series ultimately. So please get yeah. back in the game. Please get back in the series. We was I want to see it go at least six, right? Because it's good hockey. I want to see it. It's much better hockey. I I kind of labeled the sections here: the good, the bad, and the ugly. And like in the good, I have like the Battle of Alberta and the Avs Blue series has been being a lot competitive. Of but the the Tampa Bay series, the Tampa Bay Florida series, is firmly in the bad here. And the other thing I have mentioned here in the bad is the Hurricanes Rangers series because while they might look on paper to be very comparable series, right? The Hurricanes and Rangers series has been so boring. I just have not enjoyed watching it at all. The only, the most exciting thing from that series so far has been um, uh, Max Domi just going up to Lindgren after the final horn and just like cross-checking the shit out of his spine and then starting a little scrum after that. That's the most like exciting thing I've seen from that series. It's just like bad people doing bad shit in that series because you got Max Domi who kind of sucks and, oh, he does suck. And you've got Tony D'Angelo getting yapped at by uh, Gerard Gallant. And I will say I, that was awesome. I loved Gerard Gallant literally telling him, shut the fuck up and calling him a little, just like a little chatterbox or whatever. Like it's, yeah, yeah that was yeah. pretty awesome. That was great. And I, 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 it was funny cause I saw a writer have a tweet. I forget which writer it is, but he was like, do we really have to boo Tony D and all the responses were yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah, of course. You know, like it was, it's so funny cause it seems like most people understand the assignment here, but there are definitely some people who, and they're probably more on the Carolina side who are just like, well, he's a good hockey player on our team and I don't care about him personally. And, and I wouldn't yeah. care about him personally if he hadn't really just 
inserted himself and been so publicly open about his just shitty views on things. And I, I know he's a piece of shit. I can't unforget that. I can't forget it. Yeah. Unforget is not a word here, but, uh, and it also is wrong here, but <laughs> it's just, I, I mentioned <laughs> under the ugly section, pieces of shit, having a good playoffs in general. And Tony D'Angelo has eight points in 10 games. So he's actually doing great, but he's yeah. already gotten into it with both Brad Marchand, who again, you have to be a tremendous piece of shit for us to side with Brad Marchand. Yes, you do. He literally, God, that was so awesome. I don't know. It, from what I, listen, I know everyone has an opinion about Brad Marchand. For everything I've heard about him off the ice, I've heard he's a really good dude. And like, just the fact that he's called, that he literally on the ice in front of a million people was calling him a like flat out racist was terrific. Oh, it was fantastic. And well, I mean, like Marchand had that thing with uh, Kevin Hayes' nephew earlier this season. Uh, what is that you're referring to? Uh, I forget offhand, but it was, that was a positive thing, right? Where he, oh, okay. He did, uh, I gotta look up, but he, he did something positive for Kevin Hayes' nephew. Like he took him to a game or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I do believe he was pretty close to the Hayes family just cause I know he was a teammate of Jimmy Hayes. Um, and yeah, I, I feel like he, he and Kevin Hayes are probably pretty close to some degree. But then again, how can you not be close with Kevin Hayes? He seems like an extremely likable human being. Okay, so here's the quote. Uh, the Bruins have been amazing with my family and my brother's family. Hayes said on ESPN's The Point, especially Brad Marchand, he has played street hockey with Jimmy's son, Bo. He went down to the local Dorchester rink and hung out with them, got them sticks, got them pucks. Bo wants to be Kevin Hayes and Brad Marchand every single morning when he wakes up. That's cool shit. It's really cool. The guy is, again, we all want to hate him. Uh, for good reason, he licked a guy on the ice one time. I know. <laughs> multiple people. He's yeah, a, multiple. He's a serial licker, Steve. A serial licker. It's pretty gross. And he is just a pain in the ass on the ice. I hate watching him. But he does seem like a legitimately good, legitimately good guy off the ice. It kind of drives me nuts. But, I mean, D'Angelo's already gotten into it with two different people in two different rounds. And... I don't need to rehash all the shit he's done. You can go look it up. We know what he's done. And I hate that he's doing well. And I also hate that Evander Kane is crushing it in the oh. easily most entertaining series. I think I've seen it in a, a hot minute, maybe since last year's or the last time Tampa Bay and Florida played each other. But like this season, the battle of Alberta has been it just says stunning, stunningly entertaining hockey. It's been insane hockey. It's like, like the first game it, that was like Flyers Penguins 2011 vibes, where it's just like there's an incessant amount of there's no defense at all and terrible goaltending for both teams, and it's just been crazy goals, crazy shifts. Like the what the I think the Flames were up like six one or something in game one, and then it was like six five, just insanity from both teams, and obviously there's like a lot of. Um, uh, temper tantrums from both teams because they just hate each other so much and like i don't know man I, I feel like after after what happened with mike smith last game i know that there was a lot of complaints from oilers fans about you know dirty stuff like Lucic. i remember late in the game that started a whole melee so like i'm kind of waiting for like shit to really pop off in this series because i feel in terms of like you know people being like fights and stuff I feel like there's more to come for that. Like a lot more to come. Oh, and for I'm sure. For it. It's just going to get, chi it's just going to get chippier from here. These guys are just yeah. going to go at it and it's going to get chippier. It's 
definitely it it's entertaining as hell. I I'm sad that last game was actually just uh, kind of a dominating Oilers win right there. And yeah. it's so funny to think about the fact that the Flames have been so good this year, but Milan Lucic is not only still in the league, but was on that successful hockey team. <laughs> I know. He was on there. What what happened to James Neal? Wasn't he on the Flames like last season and he was like killing it? He went to Mars, I believe. I wouldn't be shocked. About where, where, where in the world is James Neal? Is a where a is great James question. Neal? Where in the world is that piece of shit, James Neal? I haven't thought about James Neal in like the last two years until this exact moment. So now I'm like, that guy went from being just one of the biggest pain in the ass players that I was so happy to see go when he did because I hated watching him with Pittsburgh. It was awful. To He's bounced around, so he went from Pittsburgh to Nashville to Vegas to Calgary to Edmonton. Apparently, he was on St. Louis and played 19 games this season. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. And then, where is he at? I think he's in the minors right now. I think he's... uh, Yeah, I don't think he's even... Oh, he was on the the Blues this year. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was last year he was on the Blues. I Uh, thought he was... 28 games for the Springfield Thunderbirds this season. So I think he's with the, the Springfield Thunderbirds. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, but, you know, fuck him. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here, James Neal. It, it's so weird to think about the fact that Lucic is still bouncing around, though, and just doing this Lucic thing. And it's just all about running goalies right now. And that one was a little... That one was much more egregious than the other one that we're going to spend the bulk of the rest of the show talking about. I yeah, thought the Lucic yeah. one, that was clearly just him going after him, taking a run at Mike Smith, who, Mike Smith's old. You can, I mean, he's probably the same age as Lucic, but uh, he can't take this. I mean, that's assaulting a senior citizen right there. It really is. You know, it's just wrong. I feel like that one was like, he clearly, that was more, um, I don't even know if I want to say intentional. It was definitely more blatant for sure. But I don't even know if that was like, you know, um, he, he was like seeking out to do that. You know, I, I don't think he was like seeking out to hurt Mike Smith or anything like that. Um, people are acting like he should be fucking given the death penalty for it. And I wouldn't go that fucking far. But yeah, like, it's a little bit, a little much. That's a, a slight, slight overreaction. But um, yeah, no, I, I think that one was definitely worse than than the other one. Yeah. Well, the and the thing one, is, obviously we're going to talk about reputation with the other one. And yeah. I think that's a, a majorly blown out of proportion reputation wise. Lucic, it is not blown out of blown out of proportion. This guy has a reputation for being a dirty player. He always has. It was even goes back to his Boston days when he was a guy who could, you know, screw you up in a fight. I'll just say, fuck you up in a fight. Cause that's what I was going to say. I, I, I realized for a second that I don't care if kids listen to the show and I apologize to all the parents who are listening Podcast, in front of the children. No but rules. We can do the, what we want. Exactly. And this is hyperbole. We've never backed away from cursing, but he could fuck you up in a fight and he also could score goals on you. Like he was really, really great player for Boston back in the day. And of course he didn't age well because those, those hard nosed players usually don't age well, but Lucic has more of a reputation for being a dirty player than Nazem Kadri, who we're going to talk about Nazem Kadri right now. And this was a big deal. He had a collision with Jordan Bennington, who's not exactly well liked around the league himself the other night. And this Colorado St. Louis series has certainly been a lot closer than we expected it to be. I, I know we were talking about this last week. We we're talking about Colorado kind of blowing away St. Louis and that has not happened. And St. Louis has really stood their ground. They've played good, solid defensive hockey and really made this a series. But then 
this Kadri Bennington incident happened and it's kind of blown the lid off the whole thing. And people are acting like Nazem Kadri is one of the dirtiest guys in the league and he's always been this way and everything. I don't, he might've had a reputation for being a chippy guy, but I've never heard him about being a particularly dirty player. And that's, um, it's a little suspect here. He's had some dirty moments, definitely, but he isn't someone I would go out and say that he, I wouldn't put him quite in the, like Tom Wilson category. And I feel like that's what people, certain people are classifying him as now. And I just don't see that at all. The problem I have with this whole thing is that if Nazem Kadri did something actually dirty, then sure, he deserves criticism. But what he never, no one ever in any situation deserves what he's going through right now. And that is threats. Um, all right. Well, before we get into that, let's just let's go talk the about the hit first and then we'll get yeah, into yeah, the, the more that. social aspects of this. But like the, the actual incident that happened, how would you describe it to somebody who, who hadn't quite seen this, who somebody might, you know, have been out of the loop on this? All right. So someone took a shot on goal. Bennington made the save, but he didn't corral the puck. So it went kind of like in the air and it was a rebound. And the puck was just kind of sitting in the crease with Bennington not totally sure where the puck was. So there was like, the net was halfway open. Like, like half the net was completely open. Kadri sees this and he's like, oh shit, puck sitting in the crease. I need to go make a play on that puck and try and push it, nudge it into the net. So he steers in the direction of the net. And then a Blues defenseman, I can't remember which defenseman it was. I think, was it Pareko? I can't remember. But a Blues defenseman comes in and they kind of collide. And that changes both of their trajectories into, and they, they, because of their collision, they kind of go into Bennington, take out Bennington, and now Bennington's hurt. I don't think he's playing the rest of this series. That's correct. And people are looking at this replay saying, Kadri should be suspended. He's a piece of shit, blah, blah, blah. And if you look at it, like there's, he wasn't even going towards, he was going nowhere near Bennington before he made contact with that blues player. And people are saying, well, he should have avoided the, that defenseman, that blues defenseman. It's just like, dude, if he does that, he gets eviscerated for not trying to make a play on that puck and trying to extend the lead there. Like you have to make that. You have got to make a play on that puck there when it's sitting in the crease like that. If you don't, like you, you get classified as lazy and then your teammates take notice of that. They're like, dude, what are you doing? The puck yeah. is sitting right there. Well, and that's the style of game that Kadri plays. He plays a hard nosed, like go, very hard, nose. go yeah. hard into the net kind of game. And that's why he's a successful hockey player. If, exactly. if you don't want to see plays like this, you might as well not watch hockey. This is a hockey play. Yeah. This is, it's a total hockey play. And I feel like people just are, they're going off of his reputation because he has put out some dirty hits before. He has, you know, like shoulders to the to the head and, and all that. Like he's he's made some dirty hits in the past, but this is not dirty at all. If there was no Blues defenseman there, then yeah, that's dirty as hell if he goes barreling into Jordan Bennington like that. But he didn't. It was an involuntary collision. He didn't mean to do that. He was trying to make a play on the puck, and it unfortunately resulted in the collision. Sorry about it. Shit happens. I feel like I've seen this kind of play happen against the Flyers and not even get called for goaltender interference. Yeah, it shouldn't be. Right, but I'm saying like I see I feel like I see this shit all the time against the Flyers. And like we we yeah. don't even get like any sort of call for any of this, like nothing. So let alone 
this isn't a dirty hit is what I'm trying to say. This is just something that's kind Absolutely, of routine in yeah. the game. And so then, okay. So that's one thing, right. To call him a dirty player and everything. But then, so this escalates a little bit. Bennington apparently threw a water bottle at Kadri during a post-game interview, which is so childish and just, yeah. what? I don't understand. Did you see the video? Yeah, I saw the video. Okay, yeah. Yeah, you can even like hear the water bottle hit the ground and he looks over like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, it's it's strange. And Bennington has this reputation for being a little childish, for being a jerk like this. I, I always wondered yeah. before the series, because I know Craig always used to kind of speak down when talking about Bennington, like he didn't like Bennington. And I think people just don't like him based on what I've heard. Yeah, he seems to, I mean, he has little temper tantrums like this all the time. And like, um, even in the AHL, I remember, I believe he was playing for, I can't, the San Antonio Stampede, I think. I can't remember what team he was on, but like, he started a whole thing in the AHL too before he before he went on his run with the uh, the Blues to win the Stanley Cup a few years ago. So like he definitely has this reputation and like I, I mean I don't know how well liked or not liked he is by like his teammates and stuff, but like it's pretty clear that he does has have that reputation amongst other players around you know and on other teams in the NHL and it's just like yeah I don't know it's just a really bad look for him. It's a very bad look for him. But the worst thing... So, Bennington's out for the rest of the series with Colorado. Yeah. Um, the, the Blues do have... A, who's the backup goaltender on the Blues who's coming in? Billy Huso, who was amazing. He basically he basically took Bennington's job during the regular season. Yeah, so it's not like... I'm not really justifying anything here, but, you know, it's not like the Blues are left in the worst position in the world. They still have a very qualified goaltender to step in. We're still going to have a hell of a series from here. Where this really gets out of hand is apparently, and I just hate that we're talking about this again, and I hate this for more of a societal uh, reason than necessarily hating this for, you know, I want to address it. I wouldn't address it on the show if I didn't want to address it. But apparently there has been racism against Kadri. Uh, Akeem Alou, who, as we know, dealt with his own issues on the racism front, unfortunately, uh, tweeted out that he talked to Kadri about his inadvertent collision with Bennington. Nas has been sorry, has been subject to so many racist attacks and threats since last night that police had to be brought in. Racist attacks like this have no place in hockey and should be investigated and reported on. And so Kadri is of Lebanese descent, according to his uh, Wikipedia page here. And just, I guess it's just the fact that he is a non-totally white-bred hockey player here that will make people be racist against him, which is just so disheartening to me, so absurd to me that the first thing, people just want to attack him for race. Like, no, number one, you shouldn't be attacking him all over the hit, and that's ridiculous. But why this has to be brought to racial levels is absurd, and it's scummy shitty people out there that piss me off and the fact that this guy's got to live in fear because he played a hockey game and made a hockey play is just insane it's disgusting i want to throw up thinking about it and it's just this i not to go on a this world we live in rant but it's just the the I think we have to keep talking about racism. Well, I want to keep talking about it all the time because it should be addressed and we should be just bringing these rats out of their holes and 
shaming every one of them for what they're doing because this is just wrong. And it just feels like we're seeing more incidents and it's a lot of just the, the dynamics in America right now. I mean, the Buffalo shooting that happened a couple weeks ago is just so tragic and so awful and very clearly racially motivated. It's if you're saying otherwise, you are an idiot. Okay. There's just no other right. way to say it. And there was a comment from Marjorie Taylor Greene earlier today that was uh, basically, she said, white supremacy should not be the main target. We should not be pursuing people based on how they vote. What? What? Yeah. <laughs> it was basically, you know, talking about white supremacist domestic terrorism. This Buffalo incident, this Buffalo shooting is white domestic, demer- or, I'm sorry, yeah, white supremacist domestic terrorism. It very clearly is. And to see these race, these racists feel empowered as they have for the past few years is just, it pisses me off. It pisses me off. And to see people just coming against uh, Kadri to loop it back to Kadri like this for just any difference in race, bring it up and, and making it personal like that for a goddamn hockey player getting injured in a playoff game. It's just, what the fuck is wrong with these people? What? I, yeah. I, I, God it makes me so mad. And I don't know. I, I don't want to, I shouldn't speculate on this because I, I, I don't want people to get like, you know, false information or anything like that. But it makes me wonder like if players themselves were, were saying these things to Kadri. And it makes me wonder if one of those players might have been Bennington, because I know that Bennington has tweeted some uh, not so great things about um, people of Nazem Kadri's descent in the past. Jesus, I, uh, this is so frustrating because I think we we as hockey fans have to fight this perception a lot that this is a racist sport because it's a very white sport. There's no denying that it is an incredibly white sport. And every player who is different that comes into the league seems subject to just atrocious things that I would wish on nobody. And it's just wrong that this keeps happening and happens with the frequency that it does. I I, I always go back. I think this is the first time I I talked about a, a racist incident on the podcast was the Wayne Simmons banana incident back in the day which is still just it, it i want to punch a wall thinking about all this stuff like i i'm so filled with rage right now and more so than i thought i was going to be you know considering how sadly often i have to talk about this stuff i my blood is boiling thinking about all of this right now it's hard the, the worst part about it is it's hard to think of a single player in the nhl who's not white who has not experienced some sort of, you know, racial abuse like this. Wayne Simmons, obviously. P.K. Subban, obviously. Even younger players. Ke'Andre Miller. Ugh. Nazem Kadri, Akeem Alou. It just goes on and on and on. And it's just like, what, like if you're not white and you're in the NHL, it like you basically have to just expect that that's going to happen and it shouldn't be that way at all. And it sucks. And it's just unacceptable 
that that's what is happening right now. Like the it's I don't know. Can you imagine any other job where part of getting the job is oh by the way you're gonna have to be subject to just horrific racism yeah it's insane it's it's just it's it sucks i i can't say be better enough and you know if you see the shit call it out i cannot state that enough like call it out for what it is people being racist being people just being pieces of shit and we can't stand for this in society, in hockey, any of it. it it's just, it's gotten out of, it, 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 any incident is out of hand. But it feels like it's getting worse. And I, I don't want to live in that world. I don't want to try to enjoy sports in that world where, where stuff like this happens. And, and shame on every goddamn person. Uh, number one, you shouldn't attack an, attack an athlete over anything, Okay. That's bullshit to start with, but let alone making it racial and making it attacks and threats and all that shit. Fuck off, guys. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we're all adults here, you know, I don't know. It's, it's insane that it comes down to this and I hate that we're still having this conversation, but I don't know. Before the show started, we were talking about this a little bit too. And weirdly enough, at least people are calling it out now. You know, I hate that it's happening and I hate that we're having these discussions, but in a weird way, I I am glad we're having these discussions because when we have these discussions, this is what starts new change or like legitimate change, you know? Um, And I don't know if like, if you're, if you're playing hockey, even if it's just like ball hockey, roller hockey, like just beer league hockey, if someone says something shitty, racial or something like that to someone, like clearly racist, call them out. Even if it's not even during, just in general. Can we like, throw some homophobia in here too? Now. Be- because hockey is such a problem with homophobia to this day too. Yes, both. Exactly. Well, great point. I should have mentioned that as well. Well, no, like, I mean, I'm just, I'm just stating that just because it is such a pervasive problem. And it's always yeah. kind of a, a, a sick joke when... NHL celebrates LGBTQ causes because it's like you think about what these guys say and how often they have stuff said on the ice that like people don't hear unless you're on the ice. Right. Yeah. But, um, you know, if someone's saying things like this, like racist, homophobic slurs, whatever it is, you have to call them out. It's just, it's the year 2022. We are so, we should be, I'll say that we should be so far beyond this now. And apparently we're not. And that needs to change, especially if we want to grow this great sport of hockey. Because if it stays like this, I mean, <laughs> nothing good's coming out of it. No, no. And uh, it's, just, it's, it's, always, it's always kind of a, a slap in the face when you hear hockey is for everyone because this stuff definitely makes you feel like hockey is not for everyone. And that's just wrong. Yeah, it, it it makes it feel like it's uh, designed specifically for one certain criteria, and it's not fair. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's total bullshit. I reject that. Hockey should be for everyone, and we cannot let this shit stand. So to make a hard pivot, because I'm just furious right now, and I just 
I'm seeing red and this is terrible. How do we see the, the rest of these series playing out right now? So the, the Avalanche are leading the Blues. Bennington is going to be out, but Huso is a very, very qualified uh, replacement in there. I really still think that talent is going to prevail here and Colorado is going to win the day. Yeah, I've I've been like surprised by the Blues. I had a feeling they were going to be pretty competitive in this series and they have been pretty like so far, but they're not winning this series. <laughs> Colorado is way too fucking good. Colorado is winning this series. I th- think they're going to take it in five or six games. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I feel like, I don't know. Maybe the Blues like steal another one, but I feel like Colorado is definitely. I don't. I don't think it's going to seven. Definitely not. I'll be surprised if it does. And if it does, that'd be fun because uh, game be sevens fun. are fun. There were a ton of game sevens last round. It was great. Yeah, it was awesome. So give me all the game sevens. But I feel like Colorado is going to win this thing fairly easily. I don't know. I the Battle of Alberta is the one that's kind of that's the trickiest one for me. Like like the Hurricanes Rangers. The Hurricanes. I feel like they're going to win that one. Tampa's basically gonna. I mean, it's very. It's so it, it looks pretty certain they're gonna win their series. Yeah, but the battle of Alberta, man. Like one night, one team looks dominant, and then the next night, the other looks dominant. And like I know the Flames are down two one. We're back in Edmonton now, but like I don't know. Daryl Sutter is a hell of a coach, and I feel like he can. He, I feel like he he could put together a recipe to take down um, McDavid and Drysaddle, and Drysaddle is not a hundred percent right now at all. Like you can no. kind of tell just watching that series. I really I would want nothing more than for that series to go to seven games. What's what's his issue? A knee issue for Drysaddle? I can't really. I haven't been able to tell really. He just looks not right. He doesn't look like himself at all. No, he he doesn't look like himself. But the bad news for the Flames is McDavid is just crushing it right now. Like, this is the yeah. best I think McDavid's ever looked in the playoffs. He's got 23 points in 10 games played. <laughs> Could this be one of those crazy years where someone gets to Con Smythe who, like, doesn't go to the Stanley Cup final? He's going to have to make it out of this round. If, he, if the Oilers make it to the Western Conference Finals... I could see that happening, but if he gets eliminated in the second round, I don't think that'll happen. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a big if, because it's still like hockey men are never going to accept that. Really? That's, that's a, that's, that'd be pretty wild if that did happen. Yeah. I don't know. I think that would be, I think that that would be pretty spicy. If, if he did end up getting like, at this point, no one is playing as well as McDavid in these playoffs. If he makes it to the second or to the um, the semifinals of the conference final, like, and he doesn't make it to the Stanley Cup final, I, I don't know who else you give it to. Well, I guess it depends. Like, Colorado's got a, a ton of qualified guys, right? And you know, Tampa Bay right now, I think McDavid's level though. I, it doesn't matter because it'll be the team ultimately. Yeah. Who votes? Is it writers that vote on? I'm not the sure. Or is question. that an NHL? Why don't you look that up real quick, and I'll, I'll just talk about like yeah. maybe a couple of the guys that. So you know, Colorado. Uh, yes, you've got it's by it the is, writers. You're right. It's the writers. Okay, so writers. I mean, anybody really is is hesitant to vote. I mean, they're always hesitant to even vote on the losing team having the MVP over the winning team, let alone you know somebody who didn't even make the Stanley Cup final. I, I think really. 
McDavid would have to continue putting up monster numbers and nobody could catch him point total wise. But like, you know, Colorado, you've got McKinnon, you've got McCarr, obviously Tampa Bay, honestly, Tampa Bay right now, it's looking like Vasilevsky because he's just shutting down the Panthers. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Vasilevsky's having an insane dude. He's unbelievable, man. Like (laughs) how do you even stop this guy? He's, he's out of control. I feel like a couple of years ago, too, people tried to really take him down a notch and say, like, Vasilevsky's not that good. And, and no, he really is. Yeah, no, he's very good. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you. I was one of those players for a couple for a year or two. I was just like, yeah, is he good or is, are the lightning good? And now I'm pretty sure it's safe to say he's that fucking good. <laughs> he's just and he's the lightning are that good. They're, they're I yeah. Mean, there's a reason we're looking at them potentially winning a third straight Stanley Cup, which that shit don't happen in this sport. I'll be honest with you, dude. I really think there's going to be a three-pit this year. Like, I want the Avalanche to win. Well, I want the Panthers to win, but that doesn't look exactly likely right now. So, like, if it's not the Panthers, I want Colorado. But I have a feeling it's going to be Tampa again. They are just looking so good. They're so good. And this isn't... I remember when they beat the Leafs, a lot of people are like, oh, this is what you get when you root for the... I can't believe people are rooting for the Lightning. I'm not rooting for the Lightning. I just respect the Lightning. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I don't have a reason to hate the lightning right now. You know, like a lot of the players on the lightning are like really likable dudes. There's no one who I, I don't have a single problem with anyone on that team. I've even come around on Pat Maroon. Yeah, I like that Maroon. He's fun. I would I never thought I'd be saying this about as fuck celebrating the Stanley Cup again. The big rig. I actually enjoy him now. And I, I didn't think I'd be saying this at any point in my life. Former flyer. Flyer legend, yeah, Pat Maroon. Yeah, Pat, Flyer, Phantoms legend, Pat Maroon kicked off the team. <laughs> yeah. What a time. So I want to, all right, so I'm looking at the stats right now for the for the playoffs. Connor McDavid has 23 points. The next closest player, not named Leon Dreisaitl, in the playoffs is Nikita Kucherov, who has 15 points. That's still pretty good. Still good. But man, I mean... McDavid is just in another dimension right now. Oh, for sure. McDavid is just unstoppable. And that's what the Flames, the Flames were defensively great all year. Their goaltending was top notch. And to see McDavid just kind of dismantling them. I'm glad he's finally showing us that he is the best. Like, I know he's the best player in the NHL in the regular season every year, but it's great to see just for the sport. It's great to see him do the stuff in the playoffs, because if you're going to attract a bigger base to hockey, you need these crazy highlight real goals from McDavid on Sports Center and everything. And the only guy, like other guys can put up great goals, don't get me wrong, but McDavid's the only guy who can deliver the caliber of goals he does. Yeah. Yeah. Or even just I, passing. Even just passing. He, the, I mean the passes he makes too are just out of this world too. He's they're he's unbelievable. Great at everything. And like I don't know. I at the beginning when we first had our initial like playoffs pod, I remember saying that I wanted the Oilers to lose <laughs> because I didn't want to see McDavid advance and I wanted him to get traded. I just wanted him to get traded because I just I think the Oilers are annoying. But like it really is great to see him on the biggest stage playing like doing exactly what people expect of him. Like it's kind of like it's kind of like when Devin Hester returned the kickoff in the Super Bowl that one year. Everyone's like, there's no way he's going to fucking do it. Like, if he does it, like, they were, like, expecting him 
but it was almost like a too good to be true type thing. And then he did it. And everyone was like, wow, this dude is unreal. That's kind of what McDavid's doing right now. Like people expect him to put up crazy numbers and he's actually following through. And not only is he putting up huge numbers, he's doing it in like the most dazzling way you can possibly imagine. He's dancing around in the offensive zone. And like just some of the things he's doing right now, he's playing, he's almost playing a whole different sport. He's just, he's a superhero on the ice. Would you say he's playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers? <laughs> I'll tell you what, Steve. Connor McDavid, he's playing chess. While everyone <laughs> else is playing checkers. There you go. That's what it's all about at the end of the day. Yes, but I, I'm just I'm just glad we get to watch him play hockey. I've seen so many great talents throughout my life. Gretzky, Lemieux, and McDavid is already right up there with them. He's just a, a joy to watch play the game. Yeah, he's he's a lot of fun. The only thing I have a problem with right now in his game is just the stupid jersey that he's wearing. The, uh, oh, my the, God. That ugly, ugly, disgusting home Oilers jersey is just terrible. It's terrible. And then the Flames are out there just wearing – I'm so glad they went back to their old school look because yeah, it's they're awesome. so clean and so nice and just one of the best looks in sports. Somebody tried to say both jerseys were shit last night. I'm like, get the fuck out of here, dude. What are you doing? Come on. Like, yeah, the Oilers jerseys uh, are terrible, no but the, the Flames are just all-timers right there. I would say the Flames have an all-time top five NHL jersey, which is something, if we weren't way, way in the thick of it time-wise, like, I would start running down now, but that's definitely something to talk about this summer. The Flames just have an all-time look. My girlfriend said, uh, we were watching the Hurricanes and the Rangers, and she was like, you know what? I think the Rangers have my favorite jersey in hockey. And I was like, huh, you hear that sound? That's the sound of me breaking up with you right now. That's insane. <laughs> you look at that. What a shame. It's tragic to see uh, homes just broken by uh, diagonal lettering. <laughs> Tell me about it. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's a re- that's a shame. <sighs> well, folks, that's all we got for you. And it was plenty, let me tell you. If you have any feedback for us, the best place is on twitter.com.org.edu.ca. Ryan, where can people reach on Twitter? And you got anything to plug? On the Twatter, you can find me at Ryan Quiggs. And uh, I think just coming up for me, there's a lot of content coming out from Nights on Ice. I'm helping get that site back on its feet now. So uh, a lot of Golden Knights content coming my coming out. And um, also, I wrote a little prospect profile on my draft crush, Uri Slavkovsky. Don't feel like he's much of a possibility for the Flyers now Now that those bastard devils kind of passed us in the draft order. But ugh. really, really good player. And uh, yeah, if you want to learn more about Slavkovsky, then uh, check that out as well. Ryan, one could say it's been a while since you had constant content coming out of that site. Uh, telling me. I mean, yeah. I mean, just aching for content. My God. <laughs> Aching for content. Uh, Ryan is at Ryan Quiggs. You can find me at Flyperbole or at Estebaum. If it's for hockey purposes, make it Flyperbole. Follow BSH Radio. Follow Broad Street Hockey. We're on all sorts of social media. You get all that stuff. Stay safe out there. Be respectful. Be kind. Okay? Don't be... Don't be an asshole, ultimately, to your fellow people. Unless they unless they deserve it, you know? And <laughs> until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. 
It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. It's 2023, and you're still looking for a baseball podcast? What's up, party people? Danny Vietti here from the Wake and Rake podcast. Yes, I know the name of our show, Freaking Rocks. Join World Series champion Will Middlebrooks and I as we banter about the best of the best from Major League Baseball, including power rankings. One of the best players of all time. Headlines. Solidifies a dynasty. And special guests. Reese Hoskins. Stroh showed. Jose Trevino. Listen and or watch every episode of the Wake and Rake podcast, available on all your favorite listening platforms and the all-new Believe Sports Channel.